0: I'm back. Okay.
1: Maybe I can just move my microphone.
0: Yeah, you could do that. Um, it should it should always be about like like this, like a hang loose distance away, you know. So I think that that works. More, right, more. I'll try yeah, that. that that should be fine. I can always you can always boost low audio, but you can't remove peaked audio. So that's like the trick. It's like it's like with video. If it's if it's blown out, you can't do anything. But if it's too low, you can always you can always increase the ISO you know so yeah. um that that's yeah. what we're dealing with
1: that was that was some advice i got from uh, a mr keith in high school was always turn up the uh volume to zero and then boost yeah. the game for sure after that
0: yeah that's the thing I learned i one of the lessons i learned in film school is that uh the um the audio engineer is the th- most thankless job in the whole industry because if they're doing their job correctly, no one even knows they're there. Uh, yeah, having having
1: done both the jobs of audio and lights in that theater in high school, like, and especially in the more modern theater, I actually did both of them in both theaters. But anyway, not the point. In the modern, in the more modern theater, the audio one is like you're pushing buttons you're doing sliders you're running around you're hitting stuff all the time constantly and then uh but like all you've done before is like make sure people's mics work and make sure the like the the monitors on stage work and like that's about it like it's really not that hard hard. make sure but then uh the lights is the opposite where you spend a ton of time prepping
0: and then when the show's gonna just kind of hit go 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 go, and it goes to the next cue. Yeah, you kind so. of map it out ahead of time, so it kind of works. Yeah, lights are. I, I did a little bit of lights stuff when I was uh, like in middle school and early high school, and it was. Uh,
1: yeah, I think difficult. I
0: remember. Um, but unlike with audio, it's yeah, it's it's a little bit more uh, about the plan as opposed to the execution, which uh, is so easy to mess up yeah. with audio. Um,
1: it was the it was the exact opposite in the older in the old theater that was in. You know what is now the library, uh, because the audio was a CD player hooked up to an amp.
0: Yeah, and you just kind
1: of hit play when it was time, and then the lights were like you had to manually set. This everything. was back
0: when. Is this back when they were doing it in like the library? Is this what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah those were uh, those were the golden. Yeah. That was the golden era of uh, of our high school theaters when they had to clear out all the shelves and bring in.
1: No, so that was before it was. Oh, the okay. Because the library was underneath. Uh, where the the cap underneath. Oh, that's
0: right. Yeah, the library wasn't even there. That was just the theater, which is so. Yeah.
1: It was the performing art. It was like the theater and the dance place and yeah, whatever else. It, it, it was, was basically
0: like, just a giant room with a wooden section in the front, and and what they had to do because the the, there was no stage. It was just a wooden area that was the same level as the carpeted area. Well so there was a stage but it was always used for like which doesn't training. I don't know why they did that why didn't they the use the stage because there was like a curtain because there was you couldn't go behind the stage oh I see so there was nothing why even have it? it's uh, it's dumb what, they replaced it with a much better <laughs> yeah. solution <than> that. <laughs> those days where they had to build risers yes. like out of wood planks to fill the fill the space so that people could actually see this is correct I oh built
1: that several times. I I did um, fifteen plays at Priority. That's amazing. That's amazing.
0: Well, how's it going, Scott? Scott, everybody is in a different situation this week. Uh, he has, I'm sorry to say, had been forced to move back home with his parents, and we're all very sad that you know life has taken a turn and just a dark turn in, in Scott's life, and he's he's lost his home. He's had to move away from the great city of Seattle, and is now back in the Bay Area living at home slumming it you know like the kids these days do just back in my childhood yeah I, you better. know i see it i see the old like you know that that light wood furniture you know that that reminds me of the past you know i'm joking here scott actually had a great fortune happen to him he's taken a big <laughs> career step which is why he's back home temporarily yes but uh it is funny that yes. like unlike many people the circumstances that have led to you living back home with the parents is like of great financial success to you. So I, uh, it's funny. It it is funny. The the kind of twist on our on our uh, on our generation's burden and how uh, how you are. You are uh, a gross representation of that. Uh, The the ironic comedy of it is very funny to me. So uh, why don't you tell me how you really (laughs) feel? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but I'm sure that's very strange To be back home uh, I, I mean, even a couple of months ago I'm sure leaving was probably not even something That was like a reality on your mind uh,
1: No, it wasn't, it wasn't even really a consideration um, But, you know, in, in the industry that I'm in uh, It was re- going to be really difficult to, you know Stay in Seattle just because of the job market And my last job really... Was starting to not be very good it wasn't a whole lot of promise anymore and it's time for something new and this is something new
0: yeah it's all uh it's all due to aerospace right (laughs) just being uh just being in a shitty position right now i'm I'm guessing right
1: yeah yeah commercial aerospace was kind of going into its own lull depression independent of well yeah because of the boeing covid turned covid turned a a downhill slope yeah i I mean boeing was
0: already in a precarious situation so uh Exactly. Yeah. So, and I guess I guess Boeing there's not really like a like another big aerospace company in the U.S. besides Boeing, right? Like that's kind of it. Um,
1: not on the commercial side. There are plenty of sure, yeah, ones, of course, or defense. But defense like, it's not like you as as could as just jump say. ship
0: to Airbus because that would mean moving to like France or wherever they are. I, I don't even know where Airbus is located.
1: <laughs> Airbus is in France and Spain and Germany and. Well, it, technically, still the UK, but who knows for how much longer? And you
0: could have you could have got a job at like Bombardier and moved to. Uh, yeah, well, uh, so Bombardier is in. Is uh, that uh, is that Mont- how it's pronounced? I'm yeah. the one in Canada, and I have no fucking idea. <laughs> yeah, they're in
1: they're French Canadian. They're in Montreal.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. Um,
1: Bombardier. Oh my God, Bombardier. Yeah, Bombardier. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they're there, and their aircraft that they're pushing. Uh, that they called the C-Series, uh, they kind of decided they didn't want it anymore. And so they sold the entire program, the in- the entire the billions and billions and billions of dollars invested to Airbus for a dollar. One dollar? A single dollar. How is that? Might have even been a Canadian dollar. How is that possible? Why, w- Why wh- would you want it? It's kind of a, it's an aircraft that doesn't really have a home right now.
0: Okay. Um,
1: um, yeah. I mean, we can get into aircraft economics if you really want to. I know way too much about it. I I, but. It,
0: I, I mean, I do know that like Canada <laughs> has a, like an aerospace sector, but it, I, in my yeah. mind, they're all like ancient, like the only ones I've ever been in were like 40 years old. And I don't know if I feel like I've seen much like uh, this is a brand new Canada Air or what, what is that company? Canada Air or something? Canada Air. Yeah,
1: the CRJs. Those are old. But what it is, it's an old plane that's still built. I think that okay, actually the I last see. one just rolled off the line like a couple weeks ago. Oh, But okay. anyway. Interesting. Um, uh, the, final, the final one, I should okay, say. Okay, so they're done. They're done. But yeah, so this C-Series that Airbus renamed the A220, mm. um, it's like a smaller than a 737, but larger than those Canadair regional jets, and um, kind of built for the 100, 100 to 120 person market, and... Mm. Boeing got their panties in a twist about it when um, Airbus and Bombardier started trying to sell it for, like, half the cost of a 737. And Boeing was like, oh, you can't do that. You know, you're subsidized by the European governments, you know, that you're offering it for less than cost or something because you're subsidized so much, you know, blah, 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 trying to file lawsuits. And the U.S. government was like, Boeing, we subsidize you a lot. You can't (laughs) compete in that market
0: by a lot stop mm. that's
1: kind of the end of that lawsuit
0: That's kind see. of funny though yeah that is funny these are these are things that i think most people don't don't hear about which is interesting
1: yeah but um the company i used to work for did automation and stuff for companies like that mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. i know a lot about it
0: cause But you're moving away from aerospace now right you're in you're in different industries it sounds like you're the yeah. laser guy it sounds like uh yeah you're mr laser
1: yeah. mr laser is what they call me now um uh, there's a company Slack thread, uh, you know, company Slack machine, right? And, uh, there's a general thread, and, you know, everyone who gets hired gets announced in the Slack thread, right? Yeah. And, of course. uh, you know, then you know what they're going to be working on and so mine was like oh yeah he's going to be working on bringing lasers to the process and everyone replied with like dr evil gifts and you know pew pew and stuff like that
0: (laughs) very good that sounds uh sounds like a good uh environment uh to be in Uh, very nice so
1: it's it's a big change for me but um i think it'll be good like you said uh quite the windfall uh financially for me so i'm okay with that
0: too yeah absolutely um that's great uh (laughs) We're all very happy for, uh, for Scott, for, for that. Um, yeah. So, uh, sad to move away though. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that was, uh, (laughs) it seemed like you were really uh, setting roots in Seattle. So it was kind of a shock for you to just suddenly be gone. Um, yeah. Especially considering like all of us are, you know, we, we, we have the dream, you know, of us all kind of living around the same area and, but it, it, the reality is that things are very fluid and so things kind of come and go. But, uh, this you is know, one of those things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just uh, you got to go where the where the the chances are. So, uh, yeah. so good on you. It's Thank you. Good thing that happened. But uh, yeah, what what's it like to be home? I mean, you know, it's uh, I I would find it very strange to move back home, even if it was for like such a good thing. Uh, yeah, I'm it, sure your definitely... parents are thrilled to have you around. Oh, extremely.
1: You know, my parents have been poking me to come home for years. Uh, mm hmm. So they're, you know, obviously extremely happy about that. But, uh, I mean, it, it's weird. You know, I hadn't seen my family in over a year, uh, before, or my parents in over a year before moving back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, back in my childhood bedroom it looks a little different than when I was here, but that's fine. Um, but it's, uh, it's fine. I mean, it, you know, definitely obviously saving money, at least for now until I find a place of my own. But, uh, the biggest the biggest difference is that uh, it's a long commute. The Commute is twice as
0: long as it used to be. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's a lot. <laughs> mm. And you said you uh, you were starting to look at places today, was it? Or? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Looking at starting to look at places kind of more near to the job.
0: You know, right now it's about 40 miles each way. And Which you, you said is about twenty dollars a day in yeah in commute costs just by driving which i i that stunned me i can't imagine yeah. having to spend that much on gas uh and tolls
1: uh yeah because my car does about 25 miles to the gallon when i'm driving on the highway so 80 miles is roughly three gallons gas right at four dollars a gallon especially because i need to buy the premium stuff for my car mm. and uh than a six dollar bridge toll. So you're looking at about eighteen to twenty dollars a day in just commute cost. It's not ideal. Does and your company won't
0: cover like the toll? Like I always thought that I can
1: com- I can defer money. Okay. And so what that means is like I don't pay I would end up not paying tax on commute costs and stuff like that. Okay, I see. But I see. Um Yeah. Well that's pretty common. Like companies will pay, you know, they'll defer a hundred dollars of your hundred dollars per month toward paying for like a bus pass or something like that. And then that's basically money income. You're not paying taxes on mm-hmm. so that you can commute easier.
0: I used to be able to claim bus passes on my taxes here, but they removed that option. But luckily I don't ride the bus anymore, but uh, it was nice when I could. Um, Cause that was uh, back when I took the bus every day, I think our bus passes combined were $200 a month. Yeah. Um for both of us, and then Akumi started biking and I just was able to walk and then work from home. so uh, when we moved. So it uh, was nice to not have that expense anymore <laughs> for sure. But uh, speaking
1: of my new job, they gave me some required reading that I would like to share with you.
0: Oh please, yeah, I would love to. Uh, so this, this is the know. first
1: required reading I've had since college right in you know, a long yeah. time.
0: I'm sure that feels great. I'm sure it just you, you can't wait to oh. get back into that habit.
1: This is called Radical Focus, Achieving Your Most Important Goals with Objectives and Key Results, a business book in the form of a fable.
0: This sounds like... It has this, a
1: golden apple on the front. I'm this
0: sounds it. like some startup bullshit to me, but I'm sure, oh, it's, I'm sure it's entertaining. My God, is it startup bullshit? Because <laughs> I think you, just, shared, you shared an image of this, and I, I was like, this, this looks like a parody, but uh, well, let's, let's dig in
1: uh i mean the, the i i really think the best way to experience learning about this book is through the chapter names and their length right uh-huh so uh the 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 fable is called the executioner's tale go on let's, let's start there <laughs> so it starts out 6 months ago that's the first chapter title
0: okay
1: the second chapter title 5 pages later Hannah finds another great customer. Five pages after, Hannah suggests a pivot. Jim is holding court at Starbucks. Jack really hates Starbucks. Oh boy, does he? Hannah announces the pivot. Like, this is how this goes. It's like, Jack eavesdrops numbers. Hannah and Jack need, like, this is just so bad. I'm like halfway through the fable. And it's so hard to read.
0: Yeah, like, it, it reminds me of like the, the theoretical business side of like people management that I just yeah. I see all over LinkedIn. You know, yeah. of all these flowery bullshit things people like 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 HR managers and shit post on LinkedIn that I like I read it and I'm like I've read a sentence and I've absorbed nothing from this. Like it it means absolutely nothing to me. These, it is like, also
1: illustrated. Ugh. I would like you turn on this light here. I would like you to look at this depiction of a man really, really not liking his
0: tea. Boy, he looks uh, real unhappy. He looks like uh, Barack Obama with like longer, straighter hair, uh, and a bigger forehead. A bigger forehead, perhaps. Yeah, longer, longer forehead. Uh, but
1: the the fable seems to be about you know these people who met at a grad school at Stanford. Okay. And they want to start a business to bring better tea to restaurants. All right. And the, the fable is about how they structure their business, how they, you know, objectives and key results. What is an objective and what is a measurable goal to tell us that we've achieved that objective? It's so bad. Scott, it's I so I don't
0: I don't mean to to frighten you, but maybe this job was a mistake. <laughs> maybe these are not people you want to be associating with. Well, I
1: think the thing is, I don't need some I don't need a book to tell me what an objective and a key result is. I feel like it, like I explained the whole thing to you in one sentence.
0: You also don't need it in like how metaphor. Like I, we're not five years old, you know. We don't need like a, a children's book to convey like complex adult ideas. You know, it, it's 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 funny that like they would feel like that's necessary to uh (laughs) it's like they need to trick you into understanding those concepts it's it's very funny um what i I think
1: happened what i think happened here is this person who wrote this book decided they wanted to write a book wrote a book about objectives and key results it was let me check the pages here um Seventy pages long, and then they decided they needed to fluff it up with a hundred-page story.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Like that's that's why this book is one hundred and seventy pages, with boy, big margins they, and, and illustrations. Clearly,
0: get it because I'm sure a lot of companies have given them big fat checks to print out a bunch of copies for them and yeah. hand out to their employees. Uh, that's yeah. quite a racket. So good on them. Uh, they, Some. it's like it's <laughs> like those. It's like the joke of like the. Like how to how to get rich, you know, and it's like ah the guide to get rich, uh for five ninety nine you can buy my guide to get rich, and the guide to get rich just tells you, uh, write something S- stupid that everyone will buy, uh and that's how you get rich. Take it from so me. Buy,
1: write something <laughs> stupid that people will pay six dollars for. Oh look.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the uh, it's like the it's like that uh the business class uh speech that uh, michael scott does in the office where he he tries mm-hmm. to describe what business is to business students uh and it doesn't doesn't quite go as you're expecting boy i didn't have anywhere to go with that uh but uh <laughs> that that journey didn't have an end no i the train derailed at some point i don't know bringing up the office what am i gonna i'm gonna start referencing family guy next we're gonna have just a great a great time uh here uh
1: This is where you cut into a previous episode of something
0: we've done in the past or talked about. Hey, that's a real funny joke, Scott. Uh, Very relatable. Uh, We've all seen Family Guy. We all know um, that they do that. Uh, (laughs) Manatees, everybody. Am I right?
1: I've never Uh, actually sat through an entire episode of Family Guy.
0: Really? That's interesting. That I have. This is a topic. So, so did it just offend you? Like, what what is the what is the aversion, or just never never? Came up because I feel like this was a cultural thing that you kind of almost had to deliberately make the choice not to participate in, you know? Yeah,
1: so I was a much bigger, uh, like Simpsons fan kind of in that era. Mm, Interesting. Uh, the way that I've kind of always watched TV is with the DVR, you know, watch it whenever I want to, right? So we would just record The Simpsons and I would watch it, you know, the next afternoon when I got home from school or something, so it's not like I had to watch like the lead out of. Can't even remember if Family Guy was on before, or after Simpsons, but like I wouldn't have to watch the lead out of the lead in after or something, you know. I just watch my half hour of Simpsons and be done with my life.
0: So interesting. I I watched a fair bit of Simpsons too, but I always, and I don't know if this is about like because you probably were watching like the then current seasons, right? Like in the yeah like mid to late two thousands yes. and.
1: Yeah, so this would have been for pretty much the whole 2000s. And then they obviously do a ton of re-airs, so you basically see all the episodes.
0: Yeah, I remember, because I would record, I also did DVRs, I had TiVo, and I would record both. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, something about The Simpsons just felt, especially during that time Mm -hmm. in my memory, felt very uh, mild and, like, kind of... Soupy. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's like every episode needed to involve like a like a celebrity guest. Yeah, and it just didn't feel very cutting like it it just the, the jokes were not like sharp in any way. They were very it was very soft humor. I guess. So
1: then the next question is, were you also watching South Park at the same time?
0: No, I, I got into South Park a little later, like probably more in college is when I started to mm. watch South Park regularly. Uh, Cause I don't know if I had access to comedy central. Mm. Uh, you probably up. did,
1: but you just never tried or something.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think our, our, our channels were limited. I, I didn't seek it out until I was, uh, until I could, until I figured out I could watch it online on South Park studios. Um, back when it was like, pre Hulu I guess Uh, I don't know if if that still exists if that's still an option but they used to just host all the episodes on their website on their their studio website
1: yeah Um, I watched I watched South Park for a good few years um like in high school but I didn't watch it as it came out like I would get a season after it came out or something
0: I watched like all of it like every season in like a row like over the course of a couple of months, yeah. and I have kept up with it, although I haven't seen probably the last season. Um, so I've definitely seen that show evolve and change in in ways, mm-hmm. and definitely like in comparison to uh, to uh, to The Simpsons, and and to be fair, also to to Family Guy, because I feel like in retrospect, Family Guy sucks, and uh, I watched it again because it was kind of like the thing to watch at the time. But there were much better shows on. Uh, during that era I mean Futurama is way better of a show Um, I also even though you know similar vein but I actually think American Dad is significantly funnier than Mm -hmm. Family Guy ever was I think that that show does a has a much more like refined sense of comedy to it
1: it's the same studio right
0: it's the same studio, same creator, Seth McFarlane. He also does yeah, yeah. The Voice, but I think that the writing was very different on that show. The jokes mm-hmm. are much more prolonged. It doesn't mm-hmm. do reference jokes. It doesn't do, like, cutaway gags. It's a much more uh, kind of... Uh, more of a sitcom. I don't even know if i call it that. Have you have you ever seen Wet Hot American Summer? I have not seen Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, Wet Hot American Summer is this, this sort of, like, surrealist comedy. Um i guess it must have come out in the 90s i I don't really remember exactly when but uh maybe early 2000s but uh it was a comedy about a a jewish summer camp Mm -hmm. and it kind of like it's sort of like fantastical realism in a way like it starts off just kind of like here are funny situations going on in this summer camp and then by the end of it there's like a talking can of soup and like (laughs) uh, all the camp counselors go to town to like get something in town and it like they slowly become like degenerates and turn into heroin addicts over the course of a montage and then they just show it back at camp and they're all fine again like it's that kind of thing where it's just like it's kind of random nonsense but there's actually like a lot of uh, the jokes have kind of like this really clever follow through where everything is like sort of prepared really way in advance and it and yeah. like the, the jokes kind of take like a long time to kind of like flower and mm. I remember watching that and thinking like this is I think where American Dad got its humor, because that is exactly the way American Dad operates. It's like very much like it presents itself as a very like, um, you know, realistic comedy depiction sitcom of a family, but it kind of like slowly devolves over the course of the episode. And uh, I think that that show does a much better job, Uh, whereas Family Guy is just trying to like do whatever it can to make like the current people laugh of the time, and it doesn't age well, and it doesn't like. It it never really presents itself as being terribly clever because it kind of just relies on on references and um, mm-hmm. the hot stuff at the moment. You know, it did like they did a troll a lull song in the middle of an episode once. Like it, it's that kind of you know it's that it's that uh yeah that level of of intellectual comedy. You know, uh, but no, I thought I think uh, I think South Park is great. I don't know. I I've been thinking a lot about old comedy shows I used to watch. Um,
1: yeah one thing uh so I, I think about this often but an NBC's lineup in the like late 2000s early 2010s was four incredible shows in a row and it, so they had the office parks and Rec 30 rock and um community on all four in a row and when they were all really good and i I think that is like peak TV comedy.
0: I couldn't believe it when I found out that Parks and Rec is still going.
1: No, Parks and Rec stopped. Uh, when? Like 2015.
0: I don't know if that's true. I think didn't it, it I, when I checked IMDb, it said it was on like still 2020. Well, ongoing. they
1: did a, a reread. Oh, okay.
0: Because
1: uh, I, I was like, that could possibly be the that. case. Yeah. Yeah. So it said, like, yeah, I'm looking up now, 2009, 2020 when the webpage loads um,
0: but it's like they had like a cast return thing
1: yeah cast return during the you know Parks and Recreation special where they kind of did an
0: update oh, okay, uh, so it's not been, it's been yeah and then it was all over uh, Zoom because it was April of 2020 sounds fucking dreadful if you ask me I don't think I'm <laughs> I it don't was know
1: if fine <laughs> I don't
0: know if I need to check that out <laughs> It was Um, fine. I could talk a lot about The Office too because I have I have strong feelings about that show, Uh, and I I haven't seen it all the way through, so I don't don't you don't need to. But
1: uh, (laughs)
0: that's kind of core of my feelings is that I think uh, I think that show uh, is incredible, and then suddenly it's not anymore. uh, The last season. You know when it really is in my opinion and I'm not the first person to kind of present this theory but I think the show was meant to end at the the end of the third season Mm. and then not go any further and that was like the arc and then it was successful and they were like, hey, let's keep it going. And then they kept it going and they had to keep up in the ante and making it more crazy and, and go into like turn everybody well, into like, a cartoon character. And it just wasn't the same show anymore.
1: I feel like that's also about the same time that Steve Carell got like, really famous.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And, and you know, it just the the priority of the show became very different because in mm-hmm. the first three seasons, it really was about like this is an, a normal office with one crazy asshole in charge and at by like the sixth season it turned into this is a clown parade and everybody in this in this office is insane and also aren't they so lovable and you love them and they're cute it's like that that's there's a
1: there's a term for this in tv do you know what it's called no i actually don't flanderization named after ned flanders because his character became such a character caricature of itself mm-hmm. that they named a term for like kind of spinning these characters up and up and up into the same stereotypes to building it up
0: yeah i i think uh, i think that show is perfectly viewable as a as a as a short series if you end it when Jim asks Pam out and Ryan is offered the job and that is when the show is supposed to end because all, all the threads are finished at that point. Like there's no more that there are no more questions to answer after that happens basically uh, at the end of the third season, like everything following, they have to make it up as they go. And uh, the first season of the first episode of the fourth season, uh, Michael runs over Meredith in his car like it it turns into cartoon time. Uh. <laughs> don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> and there's still funny episodes after that. i, I like I, I definitely think that there are. and um, but again, like, th- it's a I comedy think... show. So why are we like being cute about Jim and Pam's wedding? Yeah you know what I mean? like like they take all this time to like not be funny in a show that is supposed to be very like, kind of hypercritical of like this environment and and i I don't know it just and you know what i can pin it down to is i remember when i was uh, when it was still like i think when the third season was still on the air i heard an npr uh uh interview with uh, i remind me the guy the guy who plays andy bernard i don't know his name you know who he is the guy he's in the hangover he's famous now but uh, they were interviewing him during the middle of the third season, you know, when, when he's kind of like a really detestable character and has like an anger problem and is yeah. just annoying and everyone hates him. Uh, and the interviewer is talking to the guy and like asking him about the character and he's kind of like talking about how, what a shithead this character is and like, man, I can't, like this guy is so like unlikable and, you know, they were talking about like his character arc and, and how he's just like the kind of the flaws that he's sort of displaying and how like it's based on certain people in this guy's life and all, all mm-hmm. of this stuff about that character and the, the interviewer said something I'll never forget she said oh but isn't he also kind of lovable <laughs> and I remember he asked he said like what the fuck are you talking about no he isn't like he's, he's, he's detestable like he's he's shitty like what and I, 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 in retrospect, I look back and like that's the that's the attitude that got in the like the little worm that got in the the writers' brains of like oh this whole cast everybody loves them they're all, like, I, it's become it a just, cult. It, yeah, it it became very a, a very different attitude. Like the 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 priority became very different after that. Uh, yeah,
1: I'm I'm in so I'm in the middle of rewatching Parks and Rec right now just because I kind of felt like it and hadn't seen it in a few years and yeah, um. Parks and Rec originally started as a spin-off of The Office. It was going to kind of exist in the same universe, but it was going to be, you know, a, a lot of the same people who were going to make it, and, you know, there were going to be a crossover cast member or two. And it was supposed to be kind of, like I said, a spin-off of The Office, and mm-hmm. I think you can really tell because, I don't know if you remember, the first season of Parks and Rec is
0: painful. It's I, I've only seen a handful of episodes, but I do know, like, there are... I mean, there are uh, actors who are in both who play different characters, they're, right? Yeah,
1: um, uh, they're, but they play different characters. It's not in the same. Yeah, characters. they're not the
0: same. They're not. It's not like there are there are character crossovers, but uh, no. But there are actor crossovers,
1: and that's uh, because it, you know it's, a, it's well an they're, NBC they're on show. contract with NBC, so I mean, yeah, of course, easy enough. Um, yeah, but the first and, and I think this is just me as a person. I don't like the the cringe style humor that kind of pervades a show like the office or the early season of parks and rec Mm
0: -hmm. where
1: like the whole point of the being funny is, Oh man, look how awkward this is. Look how painful this is. Don't you hate this? And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. I I just hate it. I don't, it's not funny. Like I just don't like it. Why am I watching this? Don't
0: make (laughs) me watch this. (laughs) It kind of like increases your anxiety a little bit. I'm guessing. I just end up being like, I don't want to
1: watch this. Like, this isn't funny. Like I, I, I'm I'm not into cringe humor. Sure, and that's I know fair. I know it's a very popular humor genre, but it is not for me. But that's her. I mean, that's a lot of what the office is—is is like awkward people doing awkward things, and then you laughing at them because it's awkward.
0: And to yeah. me, that's not funny. Um, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think that's kind of at the core. I think like the the initial like elevator pitch is definitely like Michael Scott is unqualified and like clearly isn't like a hundred percent there and doesn't really understand society and his role in it. And so like yeah. constantly fucks up in, in his intentions, but, mm-hmm. um, and that's, you know, very much rooted in the original British show, which I mean is, I think even goes even further with that concept. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it's so yeah. funny though, because I mean like every show has its level of, kind of like the target comedy that it goes for because i think 30 rock is almost like it it is about jumping the shark like it's about being a cartoon and that's like why it's a good show you you know what i mean yeah like it it does everything right that the office in its later seasons does wrong
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh in a way like it really um and it gets better and better too like it, it, it yeah, I don't know as how as they the seasons that, go on. They pull, it understands they off like the game it's playing
1: seven like consecutively better seasons, or you know, yeah, whatever, you exactly, know, or consecutively um, good seasons, which is so hard to do, especially for a show that's really didn't get very good ratings when it was on. Um, no, I remember, I remember back, the
0: first couple of seasons. Yeah, people were talking about how like this is the hidden gem, like this is the show that everybody should be watching, but nobody's watching. And
1: it, uh, it was that, and then every year, you know, once a season, there'd be a joke where Liz Lemon looks straight at the camera and says watch our show people (laughs) or something like that yeah or like they would do a a obvious product placement and then say like can we have our money now like directly to the camera
0: (laughs) i mean it it was just so good because it was so um it was clearly written and made by people who love tv and love being in the tv industry and like really understand it and yeah um, it just has such a great energy about that. Um, and
1: the yeah. the funny thing is, like, they... Or one of the things is they didn't go out of their way to make it look glamorous. Like, right, yeah, yeah, you have to deal with the crazy star in their tiny dressing room and this writer's room that smells bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get the fancy lunch once a year and, you know, something like that. Like, that's the whole yeah. kind of thing with 30 Rock.
0: And it really <laughs> fixated on everyone's flaws in a way that I think is, like, w- was just, like... And flaws that you could tell were rooted in those actors as well. Like everyone was kind of on display and playing like a version of themselves and it made it feel like a very natural fit for everybody uh, involved. Especially Uh, because it was
1: basically SNL the show, SNL behind the scenes the show.
0: Did, did you ever watch uh the unbreakable kimmy schmidt on netflix i watched the first season of it because that that show tries really hard to have the same energy but it doesn't okay. quite get there because it's not it doesn't have that same like chemical ingredient of it being like a commentary on television
1: i think like, that's a, i think it's a tina fey show too so that makes it sense. is it is and, yeah, and yeah. so the
0: writing is very similar and and like the level like the 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 style of comedy is almost like an exact copy, but again, it just it, it's it's like a, a little bit less because it's not about making television. You, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that comedy worked really well in that context, but removed from that context, it's not quite as funny. Yeah. You know, but that show is still I'd say pretty good, um, but a little bit more ridiculous and so like less grounded in like the actors and the people involved. Mm-hmm. Um Well I mean it's about a woman who is locked up in a
1: nuclear fallout shelter for 20 years or whatever right and then comes out and has to live her life that's the premise of the show right so
0: yeah exactly so it's 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 several degrees more ridiculous uh and less removed from reality (laughs) so well you say that (laughs) we've been inside for a year (laughs) true yeah maybe maybe it's more relatable now um but then contrast all of those to something like always sunny in philadelphia which like takes the level of absurdity to like an absolute extreme Uh and also like really succeeds in that space and doesn't really like falter in any in and continues to get better and better season by season in like the same way um
1: i think that's because turning those characters into caricatures works because you know there's it's one of those things where you can still be really good friends at the end of the day, but also spend an hour yelling at each other all the time about dumb shit. And then that's the whole premise of that show.
0: And they do such a good job of understanding how each character is a different kind of terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like one is, is much more devious, but a little smarter. And then one's nicer, but much dumber. You know, like they, they, they kind of contrast each other and like their, their strengths and weaknesses. Um, and then they all want
1: to pit each other against each other constantly
0: yeah that show's always really impressed me Um, it's funny I I try to introduce some of these shows to Akumi and she likes a lot of them but ones that are like too extreme like that actually really stress her out like I think I I tried showing her um, I tried showing her It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and I also tried showing her Arrested Development and they both like stressed her out to watch (laughs) which I think is understandable um, but, uh, I don't know. Well, speaking of, um, you know, eras of comedy and eras of entertainment, I want to this has been on my mind a little bit and I want to get your take on this. I wish, I wish we had, uh, our, our other, uh, our other host here to discuss this. Maybe we can when, uh, when she's back, but, uh, what, Disregarding the obvious uh, cop-out answer, uh, what what do you think is the worst decade? the the worst so you you cut out there the worst decade just in general or like you can kind of come up with your own definition but I for me it's like a like culturally what was the worst decade?
1: I mean the easy answer is the 30s because there's a whole lot of not going on there, not a lot going on.
0: Sure, but I I like music from the '30s. I don't know. I think yeah. I think it was probably like you can go to places in the '30s where it was still kind of styling. You know,
1: was that during Prohibition? Is that kind of sucked?
0: Um, yes, that was Prohibition era. That was Prohibition so depression. That, Prohibition era, uh, kind of cool, kind of you know the, those like Tommy guns and those like gangster hats and all that. I mean, there's something kind of. But cool
1: that's there. also that's also the '20s.
0: Sure. Yeah, the '20s too, but. And the twenties, you know, was all that minus the depression. So that that, you know, that's an acceptable answer. Um, any more recent ones? Like I, I'm thinking maybe in the last forty, fifty years, is there a decade in there that you don't the aesthetic of and the art of you're not fond of? So
1: I mean I, I like the seventies and eighties just because of like you know, music and movies from that era too. Nineties are fine. Uh, we're gonna the have 90s to see is the us, two, I mean, we grew up in the yeah, 90s, a so there's, there's, Classic, um, yeah. we're gonna have to see the 2000s, 2000s, uh, 2000s and 2010s age, I think. Um, yeah, it's a little have to
0: too s- soon for the 2010s because I still kind of feel like I look at stuff from the 2010s and I'm like that just looks like now, so yeah, I, but hard the, to judge.
1: The 2000s definitely wasn't like amazing for a lot of reasons, but. You know, there's a lot of good stuff that obviously happened then, you know, you know a lot of good cultural. And I think that's really when the world started to shrink, um, when people became aware of kind of everything else that's around them. And that kind of stuff uh, kind of became more of a, a global society and less of a, a nation society. But I, I don't know. Definitely. It's a tough question, but yeah, I I, I would just have to say the 30s. Just because, like I said, depression, prohibition, you know, civil rights obviously weren't amazing. There just really wasn't a whole lot happening.
0: Sure, pre preamble to World War II, you know, a lot of a lot of shenanigans happening around the world too. You know, yeah. not a uh, not a great time for some for some people in some places. I Understandable. Uh, so what, what do you? What's your answer here? What do,
1: what do you? What are your criteria for what makes a good decade i've before, thought about before this we a start, lot before we before we get to okay. what what makes sure. a good decade what makes a bad decade
0: i think a good decade needs to be a, a decade where design and taste have like aged perfectly like like you look at things from the, that era and you say those people understood good design and maybe some of that's kind of like subjective to the era that you live in currently so like mm-hmm. What's in style now and affects like your your understanding of what's uh, what was in style in the past, and so like you kind of like take this very subjective view. But I can't shake that, so that's just going to have to be part of the equation. So yeah. like I think the '60s is a very attractive decade. Mm-hmm. I think design from the '60s is very good. I think that music from the '60s was excellent. I think that like people dressed really well in the '60s. I think like cars in the '60s are beautiful, mm-hmm. um, terrible, but beautiful sure terrible but i i just mean like the the impact they left like i i think i wish cars looked like they looked in the 60s i think that like the land yachts
1: would, with the fins and everything
0: yeah and and then like the jaguars were coming in and making everything really sleek and curved yeah. you know that and and, and uh, early Alfa Romeo spiders and things like that. You know, yeah. st- stuff that we just don't really get nowadays. Everything nowadays is bulky and, and boxy, and uh, which is going to lead me into uh, the decade I fucking hate, which is uh, the 80s. The 80s can can go to hell. I don't like <laughs> anything from the 80s. Uh, I, I've thought about this very extensively. I uh-huh. don't think there is anything like from the 80s I like. I don't like any movies from the 80s. I don't like any music from the 80s. I don't think... Anything was attractive during the 80s. People had shitty taste. Their hair was terrible, their clothes was terrible. Cars looked like shit. Electronics looked like dumpster bins. Like I everything was just <laughs> ugly and stupid and people were like hyper obsessed with with money and it just it, that is the that is the decade that fucking ruined everything. Yeah. There's definitely the 80s are definitely a polarizing decade. Yeah, all say... of all of like our our financial issues today come from the 80s yeah that's very fair um and and it's also like the time when like commercialism took off uh and like everything became like about selling toys and like creating like there before the 80s like you could argue maybe star wars was where this started but like there weren't like i don't know there wasn't Action like figures. this whole attitude of like seeding children to become like good consumers as adults you know what i mean like that that is a very that comes about with
1: the prevalence of broadcast tv as well um you know where where tv really became a thing in the 40s but you know most people didn't have it until the 60s and then it became the 80s before it's really really monetized and perfected right and when they could get about doing commercials and stuff like that
0: but as far as the 80s you you don't you don't like ferris feelers day off I mean it's fine. Like there are movies that are like enjoyable, I guess, but I just I, like, there's nothing about them that like acdc do not I d I I don't I don't listen to A C D C that much. I have it because you gave it to me. <laughs> um I don't know. Again, but A C D C kind of feeds into this where I feel like it, it became about like the brand, you know? It like A C D C is a brand. Yeah. Uh um, that's fair. Queen? And like Kiss is a brand. Like all, all of these big bands from that era are just like, I don't know. I don't think the music is what the point was, but I get, maybe that's like an unfair criticism. I'm not like a music critic. I don't really know about that, but I just, I don't know. It just seemed like it was very showy and glitzy and, and um, mm-hmm. I don't know. The, the 80s just, it, it's, it's all, all gaudy.
1: And I mean, you're yeah. not wrong. I mean, that that was definitely the kind of this, the start of the like post-consumer, like we're selling services now we're not just selling goods
0: that and like and it became an era where where finance and banking again like fucking us up today Mm -hmm. it was really when like the the attitude shifted of like these things existing as like a public function of 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 the economy and service to something to exploit um i remember i think i think uh Again, I don't know if this I haven't studied this so that maybe this is inaccurate but um the 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 movie the big short makes the case that that was kind of the era where the mortgage got turned into something that like instead of just existing as some as like a public service it, was a it turned into something for banks to exploit. Yeah, a commodity which led into the financial crash of 2008 which like we still are dealing with the consequences of. Mm-hmm. Um I just it, it just seemed like that was the time where like it was and and the the public attitude was very positive about, like, exploiting the economy, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like, it it was very – it was a time when all of that kind of became, like, a cultural zeitgeist of, uh, I don't know, like, do whatever you can for financial gain at all costs. Um, Yeah. So – I don't like the '80s. That's that's that was my uh, that was the conclusion of my thought train. Uh, I don't all like, very very good points. I, I don't like any cartoons from the '80s. The only thing I like from the '80s, the one thing I like from the '80s, is Japanese pop idol music from the '80s. <laughs> and and the reason is, and I I I've learned some about this in the past uh, couple of weeks because I was watching some videos on like games from the 90s and how they were already nostalgic for the era of music from the 80s that was like only five years before their development Mm -hmm. um is that there was this effort in japanese music to basically develop a specifically japanese sound that doesn't exist anywhere else and the music that was developed during like the span of like 10 years from like 1978 to like 1988 um has this very, very unique tone that is designed to make you feel nostalgic for an era that does not exist, that you did not participate in. Interesting. Um, Because it was a time when, when, like, girls were picked to basically, like, represent a trope of memory from your past, like from when you were back in school. And so different women would be chosen to, like, represent different styles of of uh of high school culture basically and so their music would sort of be associated with that and that's kind of like where a lot of modern like anime tropes come from okay. is uh how these like these women were like engineered to sort of like play off of your memories essentially from from like kind of a, a rosier time in your life and so the music that they sang is like very unique to the to that and kind of evokes a a kind of like the, the, this melodramatic like sense of memory and uh it's really effective if you look at the youtube comment, comments for these uh playlists on on youtube of, of what it's called it's called a uh, um city pop is like the genre of this mm-hmm. of the style of music all of the comments are just like this music makes me feel like i was there and i was born in 95 and i never i've never been to japan yeah like it, it does something to that effect and uh it's very unique to Japan. Music in the U.S. doesn't sound like that. Uh, I'll have to look it up, yeah. I, I definitely recommend I, it, but it's it's, unlike it's very you, interesting. I, unlike you, how, I
1: like 80s music, except for kind of hair metal. I don't like hair metal. Okay. Um, but I I, gen, I tend to like 80s music, um, especially kind of, and this is a little more polar. I like the new wave style, like, aha, flock of seagulls kind of type mm-hmm poppy new wave stuff like i I find that really good and so when you know this past year the weekend came out with the blinding lights song it just sounds like aha's take on me but 21st you know 30 years later or whatever it's like 40 years later it's like i really liked that song because it's Mm -hmm. basically an 80s pop song
0: interesting but
1: uh i definitely understand how that music is not for everybody
0: yeah, I, I think I'm more into the kind of like reactionary music that came after that um, in the '90s, uh, mm-hmm. where there was kind of a lot of you know with grunge and everything like that yeah. and and uh, punk that kind of like came out to sort of like push back at uh, at that culture of music. And again, mm-hmm. I don't really have, I don't. I'm not a musical person necessarily, so I'm not like, I don't have super strong feelings one way or the other. But the 90s are an interesting time too, because I'm kind of conflicted. There's stuff from the 90s I like, but there's also stuff from the 90s that uh, feels very much like angst over nothing, if that makes sense. Well, Um,
1: I I feel like it might be one of those things where at the time it was justified angst, but now looking back, it's like you're worried about what?
0: Yeah, like have you ever (laughs) seen Rent? Uh, once. Rent is the most 90s ass uh, piece of media because it's 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 literally a bunch of like privileged kids complaining that their parents love them and that they have to participate in society. <laughs> it, 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 like that's all the music Like that's the only thing the musical is really about is just like these these kids who like come from privileged backgrounds who want to like slum it up in New York and be artists but make terrible shit art that nobody likes and they feel like they're <laughs> owed like a, a living wage or not even a living wage just like the ability to like live free and not have to pay and do anything and owe anything to anybody and it's like uh, that that attitude of like snarky I'm going to reject fucking anything sincere. I am also pretty like not into, uh, as well. I'm kind of like that. That's kind of like, to me, the, uh, if every generation has like their, 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 you know, carnal sin, that's definitely to me like the gen X disease is, is like, is anti sincere snarkiness, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of comes from that era. Um, and so I, I'm kind of conflicted about the 90s. I think the 90s is another attractive decade, though. I think that people had a good sense of style in the 90s. Mm-hmm. To, for the most part, there are some ugly ass shit from the 90s. Uh, that the whole like teal and turquoise and, and neon. You don't know, like shit the, doesn't, the vapor wave age very well, but uh, the vapor wave. Yeah, but it was also the era of like of like leather and like trench coats and like cool shit like that. And you know, shoulder like, pads. Yeah, and like, and and just like skinny <laughs> jeans and and uh, the uh, the band Elastica is like very representative of like the cool side of the '90s to me. Like that, that's like, man, that was there's something going on there, but mm-hmm. uh, but it, it also contrasts with just this attitude of like everything sucks, even though the Berlin Wall fell and 9/11 hasn't happened yet. So arguably, it's like one of the most you know least things to worry about eras in american history basically <laughs> coming at
1: this again from an american's perspective
0: exactly there there were some shitty places to be in the 90s uh, you don't want to be in central europe in the 90s that was i was uh, about i was about to say one of my friends from college he he's a, yeah, a refugee uh, from bosnia in the, yeah in exactly the 90s. Uh, that, that, you know maybe maybe this is not the case for everybody certainly uh, but but yeah uh the 90s uh was pretty pretty all right in the US I think uh not that we remember it and again maybe not for everybody it was also the the era of AIDS so I'm not going to I'm not going to forget that uh, no
1: that's definitely not something we should ever forget because dear
0: god <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um yeah 90s are weird i if i had to pick a favorite decade though what would you what would be your favorite so you said 70s 80s maybe <sighs>
1: Yeah, I, I'm kind of a fan of, like, that era of music and style and movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, mm-hmm. you know, when I go back and watch, if I'm just scrolling through the movie library and I'm looking for something, it's like, you know, you know, Ferris Bueller or Red October. I thought that might be a 90 movie, but, you know, same thing, right? For sure. It's technically the 80s decade if you count starting at one, but mm-hmm. if you want to be super pedantic. But, um, yeah. I don't know. Those are pretty good. Like I said, we'll have to see how the last couple decades age. Um, I think I do think it's still too early to call the two thousands. You know, people still remember all the kind of like bad shit that happened where like, or I should say like bad, irrelevant shit where like the bad, irrelevant shit from the nineties has largely been forgotten. Where, Maybe like, if it, I, because I, like I, there's a lot of music that came out and was popular. That is bad. Mm-hmm. Or like artists that made one song and then were bad, and then sure, yeah. Uh, or you know, movies that were really popular but were never really aged very well, or something. So I wonder what's going to happen with some of the more modern stuff. Like one really, really popular movie that came out. God, it was you know ten years ago now. Was um, Inception, a really huge popular movie, but you know, when was the last time you heard someone talk about Inception.
0: Yeah, I think it got overplayed. I think, I think that was the issue there is that it was kind of like the thing everybody was referencing,
1: but that's not unique to the time we live in. So what I'm saying is that's going to be a cultural, you know, a thing for, you know, Oh yeah, that was a thing. You know, we're going to remember it in the future, but it's not like it's going to age particularly well. And then, yeah.
0: And I think, I think we also live in an era of saturation where it's hard for something to really define the era because there's so much, um, you think of like the matrix in the nineties, the matrix is like quintessential Mm nineties and it, it represents the style of the time. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing really like, there's nothing that could set off uh, like a, an explosion of, of mimicry and and style and and reference in the same way the matrix does, because there's just so many movies now. And even the movies that make a ton of money don't seem to do that. Like the biggest movie the last 20 years was avatar and nobody gives a shit about that biggest movie ever. So yeah, so like it it didn't impact anything. It didn't, you know, people aren't remembering that with like, ah, that that that's a symbol of the last 10 years is James Cameron's Avatar. It's kind of <laughs> become like a butt of a joke more more than anything. Yeah, the wrong Avatar and again, a, a lot of it comes from the fact that movies now are kind of just like a, a cookie-cutter industry in a lot of ways, and, and they've kind of found a way to make reliable money, at least before COVID. I've, exp- um,
1: I've expressed my opinion on this show before that I have stopped caring about movies.
0: I because... think a lot of people have. I mean, it, it's more about, like, the ride experience now of just a, a big spectacle. But this is – we're late in the show. I don't want to open up this whole can of worms, but I, I will say – um I think the 70s and 80s are, would be an interesting time to go back to just to, to visit on a, you know, if you had the ability to, to time travel. Um, Man, go downstairs I, uh, and ask my parents. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I I don't know. I'd have a tough time choosing. I, I, I will say the 2000s are becoming like they're starting to crystallize in my mind mm-hmm. as like a, a period of time where things were different. Like it is starting to feel that way. Especially when I look at stuff about, like, like documentaries or um, kind of analyses about things from that era. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think Lindsay Ellis is a YouTuber I really like, uh, put a video out a while ago about um, the difference between, like, Vietnam-era music about the war and then, like, the Iraq War and the music that came out of that and how they're super different. Oh, and yeah. I, I, and and uh, I remember looking at, kind of examining that and and remembering like yeah this is a this is a different era and then you watch or you watch um, Penn and Teller's bullshit which is a very very two thousand show, mm-hmm. and you kind of like get a sense of what people's values were and what the the the, the kind of like social debates were at the time, mm-hmm. and how it's very different than what people are talking about now. Yeah.
1: Um. I, I know I've brought it up before. Uh. But Arrested Development is like that too, where. They're just constant references to the early 2000s, you know, constant references to the Iraq war, whatever was socially popular, whatever was going on at the time, what, all right. that stuff. And it was really interesting because that was before we were kind of aware of a lot of that on, on a deeper level. Anyway, mm-hmm. we were superficially aware as, but, you know, we,
0: and, and on de- on a design level, things are very different than two. Um, yeah. My, my mindset about the, the, the 2000s, like the, the, the image, design board that kind of comes to mind is just a lot of like curved silvery plastic Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. a lot of like see-through things a lot of glitter a lot of shine um everything is very
1: i'm thinking back to a computer monitor that used to sit on this very desk that was like (sighs) had like an inch thick uh like silk like matte silvered chrome bezel with like rounded at a rounded edge at the bottom
0: Yep, yeah, yeah. It's like every everything that came out before the iPod was just very like. It was very excessive and very bulbous and chunky and plasticky and 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 curved in weird ways. And and, beige. Yeah, although I, I, I associate silver more with, with the 2000s, although there were certainly a lot of beige computers. But isn't it so funny that, like, at, at, at some point people thought beige was, like, high tech? Like, it yeah. it's so amazing how culturally things, like, shift for you, mm-hmm. where anything beige now looks fucking old and, yeah. and ancient. But at a time it was like, oh, this is, like, the height of technology if it's beige. Beige just sounds old. It does, and it, it's hard to imagine anyone ever considering that, like, cool. But yeah. I, I guess maybe the point wasn't to be cool. The point was to be, like, businessy and and professional. But... Yeah, because it was
1: before computers really could be cool. Like, I was just talking to my dad about um, uh, building computers in the 80s and kind of what his experience with that was. And I was like, yeah, you'd get your memory chips in a tube, and then you'd have, like, a chip placement thing that you could solder them to the board yourself because that's how you built the memory of your computer.
0: Right. You'd build it. Not just had to buy like an Apple One kit.
1: Yeah. Well, he bought an IBM PC. Original IBM PC. Still
0: have it. It's in the attic. That's Uh, probably worth a lot of money.
1: Yeah. With keyboard and everything. Wow. Um, But. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, you buy all the parts, you know, the, the processor comes soldered onto the motherboard and then you kind of break out from there. Mm hmm. I apologize for the dog. It's not mine.
0: Oh no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it just, it's just so funny how, uh, our ideas of like, what is modern, what, like pushes the boundary, you know? And, and I feel like it's hard to, to imagine what, what that is now and how it'll change because I almost feel like there's this sentiment now that like, what else can we design? What else can we change things towards? Mm-hmm. Um, Everything's just kind of gotten flat and utilitarian, and uh, you can only make things so flat and utilitarian before they don't—they cease to exist, basically. Tell, so,
1: tell you what—I do hate in this design language—is screens on phones that are that like just take up the whole front face of a phone.
0: You um, don't like edge-to-edge? No, I'm not into that. No, it, it forces you, you, you into compromises mesms?
1: that aren't worth doing in the first place. What do you gain from having an edge-to-edge display?
0: Um. You get more real estate, and like it, it, just looks like there's not a lot of wasted space. I guess. I Don't care about um, that.
1: Like it, it's better for me to like, you know, have something to rest my phone on and not take up the bottom half inch of the screen at the
0: same time. Like yeah, a, there's there's an argument, and and certainly you give up. Notches um, look
1: dumb. Hole punches look
0: dumb. Yeah, I I'm excited for the era of the 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 notch to be over. I think. Um, yeah,
1: I, it just it just does not appeal to me, and again. It makes you take. It makes you have design compromises for a goal that isn't worth considering in the first place, to me. So, <laughs> in that in that end, it's put me off a lot of phones and the, or a lot of uh, technology upgrades in the last you know year or
0: so, year couple of years because I don't want it. I don't care. Interesting. It's that strong of a of a conviction. Yeah. What What do you think will have to happen for you to kind of like? Would it be to to eliminate? The notch or the the hole punch or do you want them to like actually go back to big to big bezels and chins and shit
1: i think that i figure out a way to get rid of it um the other thing is i I don't particularly care for rounded corners on a screen you know if you're gonna have a screen make it be square like that's a big thing even even the phone that i currently have which is a pixel 3a it has rounded corners on the screen right but the yeah. screen is actually square. It's just like the glass has a black rounded corners over top of it. So they're like right. falsely corner cornering the screen.
0: Yeah. I am I'm, I'm aware that, um, why, <laughs> you know, what's so funny. So, so on, on, on Mac computers, the newest operating system, big Sur, like rounded everything, like all of the, all of the, uh, Elements are rounded. Mm-hmm. Like all the windows are rounded. Mm-hmm. And it looks weird because the screen is not rounded. Mm-hmm. It's still got perfect still squares. Square. And you, and you can and people have developed third-party software to round the screen. So it looks to like match the aesthetic of the of the operating system. Wasted real estate. To to basically blacken out the pixels that are there. So that they will never once again uh show light unto the world uh so that you can you can have a unified uh round aesthetic uh on your screen. I don't really have a strong opinion about rounding. I actually just I, I, I uh this is on my mind because I just I just bought a an iPad mm-hmm. uh an iPad Pro and it has it has rounded rounded screens and I, I uh I haven't noticed I didn't notice that until like yesterday. I was like, oh wait a minute this this is not a perfectly square thing shape it's uh it, it's it's got rounds but uh yeah.
1: I, I mean i with, think if they're small
0: with, enough i don't notice but with my
1: phone i didn't i didn't notice that the actual screen was square until about a month ago and i've had it for six months now so like but it, it's stuff like that is just frustrating like you're compromising your design you're compromising the feel of it you're compromising so much and you're gaining what I don't know. Computer screens are supposed to be square in my mind. You know, windows are square, computer scenes are square, everything kind of matches up neatly. Why are you there, trying to ruin it by making it? Definitely
0: this overarching design language thing that I feel like I feel like a lot of this is in my mind, um originates with Google, maybe, but I, I the companies kind of play off of each other, so it's hard mm-hmm. really to say who like it originated with, but there's definitely this feeling for me of everything feeling very like soft and cushiony and, Mm um, it's another,
1: again, this is me, the engineer talking about efficiency and compromise and stuff, but like, I don't need a text notification to take up a third of my screen and the notification shade needs to have who sent it, what they sent and then allow me to reply. Like I don't need it to take up a huge amount of space.
0: Yeah, I just, I remember like there was a, 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 like Google was releasing like a new wave of products. And I don't know, maybe, maybe this was a couple of years ago and they don't do this anymore. But I remember like the whole, the product page of like everything we're releasing. And it's like a new Google Home and their new like mm-hmm. VR headset that they were doing for a while. And everything had like a, uh, like a, like a felt texture to it. Yeah, the like fabric. It was all like braided fra- fabric and soft and cushiony yeah. and cloudy. And like, it was just I had, like, is
1: this? I had the VR headset and I had one of the fabric cases.
0: Is this like what technology is now? It's like soft and cushiony? Like that's, I will that's say the, the fabric case was really nice. I really like the fabric I, case. Okay, there are practical reasons why some things should be cushiony, sure. Um, but like. Not, not even for the cushiony, because it really wasn't very. It was a thin layer of
1: really kind of relatively hard, scratchy fabric and just what amounted to a. A thin plastic case that snapped onto your phone. It really wasn't very cushiony, cushiony at all, but it had like a jean texture,
0: right? It was it was like it was kinda... a little
1: coarser than that. Um, it was okay. little loops of fiber. Um, yeah,
0: I don't know why the, the why it's necessary. Almost... Like just just put out a plastic thing. I don't I don't know.
1: It was nice. You know, you got really good grip on the phone, and you know, it stayed in your. It, for me, it's kind of been a problem with previous phones where they kind of fall out of my pants pocket this one that case did not do that um my biggest gripe with it was that it didn't come up over the top of the screen so you couldn't put it face down without putting it face down on the screen as well like I just see. screen touching table which i don't like
0: i think i think electronic design peaked peaked has not been has not been surpassed by whoever was determining sony's design language in the 90s mm has not been surpassed that was a good area all of that like hard black plastic yeah with all of like the every everything you need mm-hmm. just laid out in front of you you know all of the buttons They're right just there. there and it does and it, everything is like mechanically designed Ooh, i love it i love those like all those walkmans and portable tvs and uh, it's all it's all perfect
1: definitely one of the reasons why i still prefer sony as a brand over other ones in similar in similar markets
0: and and you still see a little bit of that there don't you because they still sell phones that like their their phone design is very conservative mm-hmm. right it's like it, they aren't trying to push like a glitzy ass phone yeah they still have camera buttons on their phones yeah
1: or like in their like, uh wireless headphones like i have the sony brand noise canceling headphones and yeah me too they're they're really really good but they also have buttons on them they're not and they don't look ridiculous and spin spindly and
0: they do they have the touch pad thing which i'm kind of iffy on but i I understand why why that's done because if you click a bunch of buttons on your headphones it makes a ton of noise but uh
1: but yeah um but like looking at the newer generation of bose headphones that went away from their previous kind of more utilitarian design to Really, the new ones are definitely more in the stylish realm of things, where it's like a really skinny arm comes down to the ear cups, and, you know, it's, uh, I don't don't like it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Sony's weird, because they almost do this to a fault, where they kind of avoid being cool, or, like, marketable. Like, they don't give any of their products names that you could remember. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, ah, what are those? Ah, these are the MX-3000A's. It's like, who the fuck is going to remember that? And like, and they don't like, they look fine. Like their headphones are sleek, but they're not like flashy. I mean, yeah,
1: but they're very utilitarian. That's what I want. Um, But Sony is also historically bad at supporting their products in the U.S. and naming their products. Yes. Both just the worst of the worst and of any, almost any industry of any business, but, and the design, the functionality, the usability, everything perfect. (laughs) <laughs> or really
0: they, they kind of play into this this almost like wabi-sabi design thing of like there's always one f- critical flaw mm-hmm. there's one error mm-hmm. that c- almost ruins the whole thing but like everything else works great enough that like it doesn't matter yep. y- you know what I mean Yep. like there's always like one thing where you're like why the fuck did some engineer think this was a good idea yeah um, but because it's there it makes you appreciate everything else about it much more like it kind of brings the whole thing together in, in a single package like it's almost like that's intentional i guess it's it's a
1: weird going back to the office lovable kind of flawed character
0: i i guess so you know i guess you brought uh turns out later seasons of the office were actually the best ones the whole time thanks sony <laughs> um, i think we can kind of leave it there this is a good talk um,
1: departure from the norm on this on this show
0: what do you mean? Like a good show? Like we did a good job and that's, that's no, just normal? Uh, no,
1: a, a, a departure from the normal topics.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, when it's you, when it's just you and me, I feel like we get more into the engineering side of things a little bit and kind of like the history of culture a little bit. I, that, that's kind of like things we've kind of gotten into a bit, uh, our groove, yeah. uh, if you will. Yeah. So uh, that that's fine with me. I think those are good, good things to talk about. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's it, folks uh goodbye see you next time or not i don't care goodbye hey everybody it's me it's travis i am i've had a whole bottle of la fin du monde i'm a little out of it but i'm gonna try to do our our ending anyway uh, special thanks. go to aesthetics please Bandcamp.com is where you're gonna find his uh, sweet tunes. Uh, not to mention uh, music.businesscasual.biz. find some other other good business casual stuff there. Our music is uh, provided generously with his permission. He's our favorite our favorite musician of all time. better than the Beatles. So, uh, you should definitely check them out. And yeah, I hope uh, we we don't have any um, any social media or, or uh, email address or anything. So you, uh, you, there's no way to contact us. So uh, if you want to ask us a question, uh, I'm sorry, you, you just you just can't. So that's uh, that's it. Hope to see you next week. Stay classy, fuckers. Goodbye.